It's not about you. That is true. To a point, that is true. I'll get to that much later. When it comes to life from our perspective, that is from our point of view, it's not about me or you. And the truth be told, if from my perspective it's all about me, that is when I mess up. It's also when I mess up those around me. That's what happens when we make it all about us. Likewise, if from your perspective it's all about you, that's when you mess up. I know I've spoken to many of you, and I've known people for a long time. It's how it works. It's also when those around you are messed up, too. This part of our Bible, Ephesians 4, 1 through 16, was chosen by several leaders and members of this congregation to be our vitality text, as Chris, when he introduced the text, read it this morning. It is to be our story, it is to be our desire, it is to be our instruction. And it has taught us that, really, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. I'll never forget the day in California. I was serving a church in Northern California in the San Francisco Bay Area. And one of the newer people at the church came up to me one Sunday after service and said, I really need to speak with you. I said, sure. What do you, what's on your mind? He says, there's just too much Jesus around here. I said, Okay. That's what's going to happen. He says, I just can't take it. It's too much Jesus. I says, well, that's a normal feeling because when it is a lot of Jesus, it's amazing how it overwhelms and shakes us up and makes us into something new and better. He says, well, I just can't take it. There's just too much Jesus. This is my last Sunday. I've got to move on. And he moved on. He came back almost a year later and said, I want more of Jesus. So I was excited because Jesus was working on him. Because the reality is it's all about Jesus. It's always been all about Jesus. That's the nature of the church. After all, this is his body. This is not my body or your body or our body even. It's his body that we are to be. And that's the last verse we're going to look at today in this text. And the end of this series, we begin a Lenten series next Sunday. Please join me as together we read the final verse of Ephesians 4, 1 through 16. It will be on the screen as translated by the Amplified Bible. I'd like you to read with me if you would, please. From him, Jesus, the whole body, the church in all its various parts, joined and knitted firmly together by what every joint supplies, when each part is working properly, causes the body to grow and mature, building itself up in unselfish love. Pray with me. Spirit of the living God, fall in fresh ways on us. Please anoint what is said and, more importantly, what is heard, so that only your message is heard and received. May Jesus... Your Son and our Savior be proclaimed and honored by what is said and by who we become. In his name I pray. Amen. 
We're just going to walk through the text briefly this morning so that we can spend time in communion where we celebrate God's amazing love for us. But we begin by looking at the whole body. Paul, representing Jesus in this letter to the believers in Ephesus, wants them to know first and foremost that he's speaking of Jesus' body, the church. And he is writing about the whole body, the entire body, which is Jesus' body. Oftentimes, as I go around life outside the church, as I maybe go on a golf course and come on as a single and join another threesome of people that are playing, after about the fifth hole, the question comes up, what do you do? I'm a pastor. Oh, what what have I said? What words have I used? I am so sorry. I say, it's all right. You are forgiven. That's the nature of God for you too. It's an amazing conversation that goes on. But often I hear this from people outside the church. You know, Jesus isn't so bad. I can't stand the church. You ever heard that before? You ever felt that way yourself? And my response, I've learned a new response to that. Well, wait a minute. The church is his body. The whole church, even the part that some in the church may think is messed up, it's still his body. He's working with it, working on it, working through it. That would be like coming up to me and say, Craig, you know, Craig, I like you. You seem like an okay kind of guy. But your wife, I can't stand her. You're not going to make it much with me if that's what you're feeling and thinking and telling me. It just doesn't work that way. So why do we let people get away with this notion that I love God, I like Jesus, I'm a spiritual person, but I can't stand the church? You know, it's made up of hypocrites, right? Hello? I see heads nodding. Some way or another. Yeah, it is full of people who are hypocritical. Anybody here never been hypocritical? Put your hand up. If you do, you're hypocritical. (laughs) Because it happens to all of us. We are all not well people who need to be made well by the Jesus who came to redeem us and make us over, make us into someone totally new. The body is his. The broken parts, the dysfunctional parts, the not doing anything parts, the distasteful parts, whatever part you can imagine, God still sent his son to die and live and transform it. That's his nature. We may be broken, but we're still his. We may be cracked, but his light will shine through the cracks of our lives because that's who he is living within us. This is his body the whole body. And like any metaphor used to describe what God is doing, there are limitations. But let us consider the notion of a whole body, because that is what is being written about here by the Apostle Paul. And the following points in this text will reveal for us how the body of Christ becomes whole, complete, what Jesus longs for it to be. We begin by looking at the point number two, the joined body. The joined body. You see on the screen the word is circled. The body 
has various parts, but they are joined. That is, they are connected to one another. Each of our bodies have a significant number of systems that join all our parts into a cohesive whole. Just consider these for a moment. The circulatory system. It sends blood to do its work in part by feeding the individual cells that make up our body. The nervous system sends communication throughout the body, and it goes both ways. Communication from the center of the nervous system to the other parts of the body, and from those parts of the body back to the nervous system to help us deal with the action and reaction to need and environment. It's a wonderful connecting system of our body. The lymphatic system absorbs and transports fatty acids from the digestive system, as well as transporting white blood cells to and from the lymph nodes into the bones to be dispersed where it needs to go. The skeletal system, which holds us together, it supports us and shapes our bodies, and it gives protection for many of the delicate organs that are inside that need to be protected because they're vulnerable otherwise. The muscular system, that's what holds the skeleton together, and it serves as the engine to produce both movement of the body and stimulation to several internal organs. There are many more systems at work in our body that join together all the various parts of who we are as a human being. The endocrine system, the reproductive system, the urinary system, the respiratory system, the immune system, the excretory system, the digestive system, the renal system, just to name a few. We're loaded with them. And to think that some people believe it happened by chance, you've got to be kidding me. That's like believing the Wall Street Journal could be published for a year by a single explosion in a printing shop. Work that one out. It's horrible. The body of Jesus Christ also has many connecting systems. We know them by these names. Discipleship. The learning, mentoring, growing in your mind and behavior system. The reproductive system, also known as evangelism or witness. The worship system, the fellowship system, the service system, the congregational care system. These are just naming a few of the systems that exist in the body of Jesus Christ that join us together with one another and most importantly, join us with the head who is Jesus. Not connecting with any of these systems in the body of Christ diminishes our capacity to be what Jesus rescued and redeemed us for. The body of Jesus is a joined body. The body of Jesus is also a working body. Jesus' half-brother, James, the apostle James has already been martyred by this time. But Jesus' half-brother James wrote the first book of the Bible, of the New Testament, the letter we know as the letter of James. And he said it most succinctly and clearly. James 1.22, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves with the notion you've heard it and you now know it. No. He says, do what it says. Don't just listen. Do. 
Later in that same letter, listen to what James writes about the working of the body. Beginning with verse 14 of chapter 2. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose that a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, it is, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that, and they shudder. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do, not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab, the prostitute, considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. James 2, 14 through 26. The body of Jesus is not only a joined body, it's a working body. It does stuff. And the stuff it does is laid out clearly in the scriptures for us. It forgives. It teaches. It worships. It cares for its members. It cares for people who aren't its members yet. The body is a working body. Number four, it's a growing body. We read clearly in Acts chapter 2, the body is to grow in number. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That was the early church. That's the church that it's meant to be today as well. But Paul is not merely saying that the body is to be growing in number. It is to be growing in number. But additionally, he's also saying that the body is to be getting better. A better getting body. Members of the body are to mature. And as a result, the whole body matures. What is that maturity? The whole body and the individual members are to become more like Jesus in every respect. We're to become more like the one who redeemed us. We're to grow into him. The whole body is both growing in numbers and growing to be more like Jesus. And then he says it's to be a loving body. The body of Jesus ultimately builds itself up in love. The key to understanding this and other statements about love is to know that this love, and in this text the word that's used in the Greek is agape, is not so much a matter of emotion as it is of doing things that benefit another. 
having an unselfish concern for another, having a willingness to seek the best for another. It is an outward love, not a me and mine love, but a his to others love. That's what agape love is. The body of Jesus is to have that kind of love. Oh, yes, we love each other, but let's not limit it to that. That misses the whole point of the gospel. It's loving those not here yet. For whatever reason, it doesn't matter. It is to love them. Love is the choice. It's a choice that God made toward us, humanity. Love is the choice of Jesus, who is the head of this body. He's the one that calls the shots. And love is a shot that he calls consistently, day by day, in every relationship that we're in. Love is the choice he calls us to make toward one another, period. Love is the ultimate system of the body of Christ for the building up of the body's wholeness, for the winning of people to believe and follow Jesus themselves. Love is the whole point of the great commandment. Love God, actually, love God back, because he started this whole love thing anyway. He loves us whether we love him or not. And our chance is to love him back. And then love people, all people, or better said, each person. Which brings me to the final point. Am I engaged? Am I engaged in loving? That is, do I choose to love? Am I a joiner or a loner? If Christ is our Lord, there is no room for loners. He transforms us into being joiners, joining together with each other. Do I connect? And maybe a harder question for many people. Do I allow others in the body to connect with me? Is there anyone who really knows me? Is there anyone who really can breathe into my life, new life, new perspective, new thoughts, new ways of doing things? Or am I a loner? Where do I fit in this process of becoming the whole body of Jesus Christ as an individual together joining with others who have done the same? Do I allow them to speak into me? Do I allow them to even know me? Am I a worker or am I a consumer? We live in a culture of consuming. What can I get that I can have, that I can eat, that I can use, that I can store, that I can build a bigger house for so I can put it in a closet? You know how it works, don't you? How many of you recently have downsized? How many of you are proud of downsizing? It's hard though, isn't it? I remember our first apartment It was a little tiny shack at a Bible camp in Des Moines, Washington. That was our first home. It was the size of the choir loft, approximately. We filled it. Didn't take much to fill it. Now, 
Oh my, I can't even imagine the downsizing is going to be so painful. Because every time we've gotten to a new place, we've gotten a bigger place, and all we've done is buy more stuff to put in the closets or under the beds in all the new places. Am I the only one with that story? I don't think so. It's kind of how it works. Well, now we're looking at the other side of that. We are labeling things garage sale. Give to the kids. They won't take it. Garage sale. (laughs) Because that's just how it works, too. But stuff we haven't even known we missed. We didn't miss it. It's been in a, a crate for how long? 10, 12, 15 years? We just never got around to letting someone else store it. Am I a consumer of this gospel, this good news of Jesus? Am I? Or am I a worker to make it clear, to show how it works, to model it for other people, to build up the body in the love that is the primary system of the body of Jesus? Am I a grower? Are people drawn to Jesus because of my life? Are they drawn to the church that I attend because of my life being lived among them at work or at school or in the neighborhood, wherever I am? Am I a grower? Or let me put it another way, not just in a numerical form. Have I become more like Jesus in this year than I did last year? Or am I stuck? Have I become, as we talked about a week ago Saturday, stable? Stable has been overrated for decades. Stable means plateau. Stable means stuck. Jesus wants us to grow in maturity to become more like him. Am I more like Jesus this March than I was in March of 2018? Is there growth in my being? Do I love the scriptures more and get into them? Do I have a time of quiet before the Lord? Do I still view prayer as something I say? Or do I view prayer as a time when I may speak a word or two, but most of it's spent in listening? God, what do you have to say to me? I'm never still long enough to hear you because I'm so busy doing things. Am I growing like Jesus? Are we growing like Jesus? This is how this gets lived out. And am I a lover? Oh, when our world says that, everybody kind of goes, oh, what's this pastor trying to do now? Or you watch TV and love has just been reduced to some kind of physical contact people have with each other. It's overrated, folks. In schools, we teach our children sex education. Here in church, we're to teach our children love education. To honor Jesus, to honor each other, to reach out on behalf of him. And because that's what he's doing in us, we love another person. Are you a lover? Is it showing? Is it growing? Is it helping to join? Do you love others as Jesus loves others? Do you exclude your love for some folks because they irritate or trouble 
or they're just nasty? Jesus didn't. Isn't he the head? These are the things that help produce a whole body. Joining, not being alone. Working, not just merely consuming. Growing by attracting with our life for Christ and growing more like Christ every year and being a lover. In a moment, we're going to share Holy Communion. This Holy Communion is God's tangible expression of love for us. It's the example of Jesus of what the head is looking for in our lives. It is his plan for our body, his body, to be his joiners, his workers, his growers, his lovers with each other and in our world. Are you, am I, fully engaged as the body of Christ? May it be so. May it be so. Pray with me. Holy God, continue to make us like your son Jesus. Help us to join in in those areas of life in the church where we can grow. Places that are fertile with your message, your words, your instruction, your direction, your passion. Help us to be fully engaged as the body of your Son, Jesus Christ, and may he have perfect sway in our lives to his glory and to your plan to reach a lost world with your holy gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.